Hey guys, this is part two of my chat with Married at First Sight star Jamie Gardner. If you haven't already, please go back and listen to part one in episode 67 before listening to this episode. Content warning, this episode does discuss domestic violence, suicide, post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety, and depression. If any of these topics are triggering for you, I do advise not listening to this episode. And if you or anyone you know needs assistance, please call Lifeline on 13 11 14. You got me crying Sorry. twice. <laughs> I'm about to cry and I'm not even emotional. No. I hate when people cry. It's really scary. So you're in this situation, I guess, already where you you don't have control. You've got no say about what you're doing, your safety, your voice that you're not feeling safe. It's basically been ignored. You're then forced to go back and continue on and put on a brave face. And then you've lost control of your body. Your body starts shutting down, I guess. You're in this fight or flight mode. Like, I can't even, yeah, I don't even know what to say. I don't even have any words to kind of put into how you would have been feeling. Mm. I don't even, like, it's hard, obviously, it's really hard to talk about. Um, And so, you know, in leaving, I kind of made it through publicity. And thankfully for me that day, they made it shorter so that I didn't have to stay for too long. How did you get through that? I have no idea. And smile for the photos when you're like... I mean, I know looking at my face that it's not right. Um, But I... You know, I took myself away at a few hours where I was trying to, you know, calm myself down. I did some meditation. Um, and I don't know how I made it through that day, honestly. But I guess going home, I had to kind of go to the doctors and, and get on medication and kind of have – you have to have a um, – I don't know what the right term is, but basically you have to have your – brain assessed yeah did you have any support like on that day was anyone supporting you and then after was anyone like checking in on you to be honest I was probably in such a state that I don't quite remember um I think that I may have had a call with the psychologist I'm not sure if it was that day or the day after so that's how emotional you were you can't even really like I honestly yeah like the sequence of events of what happened because it's all just a blur yeah it was in like it was insane wow yeah I, I honestly can't remember what happened even in the days after that people will say that it's not bell's palsy though right but you know i'm going by like so people have written to me like that's not bell's palsy you wouldn't be able to get through a photo shoot if your face had paralyzed and like i'm really grateful that at that time i had the time to to speak to people about my experience because i think part of part of all the stress and everything that I was carrying is because I wasn't able to speak and taking that time, you know, I, I meditate every night. So taking that time to try and center myself and, and get myself through it. But I also felt like a massive obligation to the show to not disappoint them and mm. not be able to give them what they needed. And I think it sounds like your body was in fight or flight mode. 
like there's been times when I've had breakdowns and I've still managed to, you know, do a podcast or do whatever. It's like you can just sometimes push yourself to lengths that you didn't think you could, you know. Yeah. And you, like you said, looking back, it was a blur. You obviously had some sort of out-of-body experience where your body just kept pushing through and you just did it, I guess. Well, I didn't want to go through this entire experience and then not be able to give them what they needed. So, again, like it's me putting putting myself second to other people's needs. Did you think at that time, like, if I don't do the photo shoot or if I don't finish, like, maybe they're going to punish me? Like, there'd already been a time where they'd threatened to cut us from the show. Altogether. Yeah. So, <laughs> the Can time... Can do that? When you're at the dinner party, they'll be like, who's this random couple sitting Yeah. I mean, that was, that was threatened once. What Not to me, but to... To Chris. What, like you're not giving us what we wanted. We're just going to cut you out. Yeah. And I've been told since, like from another contestant that, you know, they got told that if they could completely cut us out, they would. But for some reason they couldn't. I guess it would have came out. They would have looked bad thinking, well, what the hell went on? Yeah. But like, obviously I would have preferred they just cut us out. Otherwise I wouldn't be here having to tell my story, right? Like Mm. for me, they had an opportunity to tell the truth and to highlight that this type of behaviour towards women is not acceptable. And, you know, I think I never considered myself a feminist before this experience. Like, I don't, I, obviously, I'm always pro, pro women. And I think that we should have the right to speak and to, to, I guess, yeah, to speak and be heard. But after this experience, you know, I find myself being so much more passionate about you know, women's experiences because I've I've experienced it firsthand. Mm. I guess that's true until you've actually had a bad experience where had something like domestic violence happen. You kind of, there's no reason for you to be actively promoting that. But I guess when it does happen to you, you're like, shit, this is real. Yeah. And I even find now, like if, you know, friends make, you know, jokes about certain things, I'm like, that's not okay. And it, it never has been okay, but it, it triggers me at such a deep level now that I you know, I've, I've changed. Like I'm a different person. Do you think that that experience, like from what you're saying, uh, happened on the photo shoot, like to me, um, like I've had PTSD before. It's really sounding like you had some sort of PTSD, whether it was like situational or actual PTSD. Did you speak to your psychologist about that? Yeah. Those symptoms, what you're describing sounds exactly like PTSD. Yeah. And like, it's scary, like you saying that and you're probably going to make me cry again. But I I probably don't acknowledge the impact that it's had on me, um, you know, because I do try and be strong and that's strong for myself and strong for the people around me, you know, like my family and my friends um, and, you know, trying to be able to continue with work and not mm. have my life completely disrupted by this experience. But, yeah, like it is, it's impacted me so much. And I, I guess I kind of got to a point – you know, we filmed back late October and I've had a few months to kind of get back into my life and feel like things are a little bit back to normal. And then reunions happened yeah. and it's brought a whole new level of, you know, stress and humiliation and anxiety that I'm, you know, I'm now having to kind of open up all of these things that I kind of had shut the door on. And, and probably just make me acknowledge actually like how much of an impact that's had. 
So then again, in Feb, you have to film and obviously it brings everything back up again. But not only that, then when it's playing on screen, so you can't really, there's no chance for you to get over this. So you had to kind of suppress everything that happened. You were trying to forget about it. And then there's been two instances since that you've had to relive it, I guess. Yeah. And like, I never, you know, I never expected Chris to not turn up to reunion. So I went into reunion, um, you know, trying to, I guess, and again, I think it speaks to my personality, like just being a bit of a rule abider and kind of dutiful, which sounds stupid, but I am. I'm like that in all areas of my life to try and do the right thing. You know, I was never told that I had an option about whether to come to reunion or not. It's in our contracts to come um, or that we're, you know, expected to be at places when we're requested to be there contractually. So I went and, you know, with with the producer sitting in the in my hotel room beforehand, she said, how are you feeling? And I said, you know, I'm really uncomfortable. Like I don't want to enter another situation with Chris. And, you know, obviously I want to have conversations with him that I was probably too concerned about having at the time. But I also don't want to be in a situation where I, I'm getting yelled at again and getting treated the way that I did. Um, and, you know, her response at the time was, do you want me to go and tell, you know, I guess the the higher up producers of that at the time. And I said, yeah, like, I want you to go and tell them that I'm, I'm not feeling comfortable. What was their response? So there was um, no direct response to me, but I think it was just, you know, she said, okay, I'll go and make them aware of that. And then obviously they knew anyway that Chris wasn't there. So they knew that he wasn't going to be there and they didn't even tell you, don't worry, he's not going to be here. No. So they wanted you to think that he was going to be there for a shock value or something? Yeah, I guess. So when did you find out he wasn't going to be at the reunion? Uh, well, I guess I didn't know the whole time, right, because Cam came in late. Um, but So you were sitting there thinking, okay, he's going to rock up at some point. Cam arrived, you thought maybe, maybe he's going to be next. When Cam walked in... And everyone turned around and reacted to that. I shit myself because I was like, oh, my God, it's Chris. And what, just a massive anxiety, panic attack. And, you know, that was – the reunion was the first time that I actually felt comfortable interacting with people and I could be myself because, I, you know, at the time he wasn't there. Mm. Yeah. So when Cam walked in, I was, yeah, really scared. So they obviously knew that, yeah, he wasn't going to be there and they did not let you know. They let you go through that whole – dinner party anxious thinking he's going to rock up any moment you're on edge the whole time yeah like I lost I lost so much weight so like after filming and then like pre-reunion like that week I would have dropped a couple of kilos just from stress wow because I just the anxiety of having to be put in that situation having because I wanted to stand up for myself right I didn't um I didn't at the time on the show in the way that I probably you know wished that I had and so then I had this build up of, you know, what I did want to say to him and how I did want to be heard. And then he just didn't show. So even that's like robbing you of getting, having closure, I guess. You yeah. prepared things that you were going to say, thinking that he was going to be there. You're going to get your closure and yeah. be able to confront him. And you're kind of feeling up to it at this point, And then he doesn't even go. Yeah. Like I wanted to sit on that couch and say the things that I wish that I'd said the time before. Did you even get a chance to go on the couch? No. You weren't even asked to go on the couch. No, they only uh, – I was going to say they only had the couples on the couch that were in the final vows, but they had Sam and um, mm, Sam and Cam because of yeah. the drama. Um, but, yeah, uh, you know, I was basically wallpaper that night 
And so I'm like, why even why, why even have me back? Mm, put like, me through this. After the dinner party when Chris didn't turn up, why not say, Jamie, don't bother coming back tomorrow because we're not going to air you anyway and you know, we're not going to let you speak. Like I was thinking going into that ceremony, great, Chris isn't here. At least I might have an opportunity to say how it really was. And instead I just kind of, you know, warmed the couch next to Russell. So literally you guys were there as just seat fillers. Yeah. It's crazy. And so people, you know, online people are saying to me, oh, you went back for fame, you went back to get more airtime. No, like I went back to to try and have these conversations I didn't get to. And also it's part of your contract. Yeah. In hindsight, are you glad that he wasn't there? Like would that have been worse coming face to face with someone that you're scared of? I think... I mean, I don't know, right, because I don't know how I would have handled it. Um, you know, going in, I felt like I was, you know, I had certain things that I wanted to say. Um, you were prepared. You were feeling. I felt prepared, but also extremely stressed and anxious. Mm-hmm. Like nothing can prepare you for that. But I don't know. I mean, if I had sat on the couch with Chris and had these conversations now watching the show, would they have shown anything I said like it was a waste of my time like Mm. you know I just think it's so cruel to know that he's not going to be there and to put you through that stress they could have said just letting you know he's not going to be at the reunion you can come and have a good time and catch up with everyone you would have felt like a weight off your shoulders like okay I can relax I can enjoy myself but they've put you there all night on edge thinking he's going to rock up at any moment Mm. like that is cruel to me even at the ceremony I was like you know is he going to turn up tonight but, you know, obviously there were, you know, I mean, not obviously, maybe there were things that they knew at that point in time that hadn't been made public yet. So let's talk about that while we're on the topic. So we now know why Chris wasn't at the reunion, which I'll get into in a minute. What did they tell you at the reunion? Like, what did they say He's why he wasn't there? Yeah, so, I mean, no one kind of said anything. I guess I just realised that he wasn't there. When I did get the chance to ask, it was that he had work and that it didn't make sense for him to come down for two days and take time off work, which, like, I kind of find found hard to believe, right? Because everyone's travelled interstate to come back to reunion and, you know, part of the conversations with your employers when you sign your contract Mm. is that, you know, you're going to have to be able to be available for these types of things. So they told you he couldn't come because of work. Yeah, that's what they said. Now, we do know that since I think it was the day that you guys left the show when it was airing, I think it was the day after which the timing of when that story broke was just crazy. It was revealed that he was actually, he's actually currently out on bail after being charged with some pretty like hectic charges. I've just got it written here. He was arrested on drug charges. He faces one count of trafficking, dangerous drugs, serious organized crime, single charges of possessing dangerous drugs, possessing anything used in commission of a crime, possessing used utensils or pipes, along with two counts of possessing property suspected of being proceeds of an offence under the Drugs Misuse Act. That is fucking serious. Like, yeah, he was granted Supreme Court bail. So that came out the day after you left the show, which is just wild, which means that he was actually on Supreme Court bail whilst filming Married at First Sight. What was your reaction when you heard that? I think I said to 
you know, friends and family. Like you couldn't write this no. as a script, right? Like no. it's insane. And I'm pretty sure, you know, the articles that I've read at least said that it was the day before our wedding or something like that. He like was, it was before the stop wedding. Stop it, really? Yeah. So the day before the wedding he was arrested? Well, he was, I don't know. I think it was October 20. What date was your wedding? October 21. Get out. How is that possible? But How is yeah. he even allowed to fly into state? Usually with the bail conditions, you can't travel within – oh, you can travel but you have to report back twice a week or once a week to your local station. I have no idea. Like obviously it's not something that I've ever been privy to. So he's actually flown into state, which I don't even know. Surely that's breaking – I would assume that's breaking bail but – Well, that's why I found it so strange, right? So we're talking about what people have said about me after the show and, you know, I went on there for the wrong reasons and I did this and I did that. I'm like, I have nothing to escape from. And so for me it became, you know, it's pretty clear that he had reasons to want to get away. I don't know. That's my assumption. Now, this is where I'm confused. Do you think the producers were aware of the charges? I mean, there's a good chance that they weren't. In all honesty, um, if it happened that close to filming, they would have already done their background checks, you would, you would hope, hope. before uh, he was cast. He's then in between being cast and filming had these charges. Do you think they knew? Like, is that what you think happened? They did the background checks and then this happened in the interim? Well, there's only like two scenarios that can happen, right? They either knew and they didn't care or they didn't know. But like if they didn't know, then, you know, we have a duty of disclosure as contestants to to tell mm-hmm. them about any any prior misdemeanors, I guess, if that's what you want to call it. But then also, you know, background checks, they do police checks. Well, they're meant to do police checks. And police checks include, you know, pending charges. So I think from something that I read, it went back to 2018 or something like that. So the charges... I think so. I'm not sure. I right. need to do more reading, but I don't really want to. Like, it's not It's not something I want to spend my time on. But, yeah, I, I can't see how the charges weren't already pending. So either they didn't know about the charges, which means they've failed their duty of care to contestants in keeping you safe and they've paired you and put you in very close confines with someone with very serious pending charges or they knew about the charges and they didn't care and they still continued to cast him on the show. I really don't know which option is worse, to be honest. Yeah, they're both pretty bad. So either way, I guess this makes them complicit in any abusive behaviour that you were subjected to because either they didn't do their due diligence or they chose to sweep it under the rug, putting you in a dangerous situation. Plain and simple, you know, like you had no option. You didn't know that he had these charges facing. You don't know what type of person he is. Do you feel like they did fail their duty of care in that regard in relating to him having these charges? Okay, I think it's a it's a hard one to say, right, because I don't know whether it's option one or option two. Um, I think there's only one real person that's failed that, you know, is quite obvious in this situation is the person that didn't tell the truth to begin with. You know, he needs to, for someone that wanted to be on the show and to – you know, be so honest and accountable and there for the right reasons. I think, you know, he talked so so much about being honest. So, you know, at what point was he honest? What, what point did he, was he going to tell you that 
he's got this big thing going on in his life, I guess. They've really paired you with someone who is capable of committing a federal crime, who's obviously a potentially dangerous individual. And you've now said that he does have also abusive and aggressive tendencies. So forcing you to share a bed with someone, A, that's a criminal and alleged, what is it? Potential criminal. And that you're also scared to be around because you voiced that to them saying, I don't feel safe. So there's two elements here. The fact that you didn't feel safe because of the behavior that he was showing. And then the fact that he's also committed these serious crimes. Like that's pretty terrifying to think back and think that you were put in that situation. I know. And that's what honestly has made this so much worse. Like I'd already had a tough time with the experience that I had. And I guess I had, um, so I guess what kept kind of kept me sane during, you know, I guess post filming and, and until airing was that I, I felt that there was this, you know, moral and ethical obligation to show the real experience and what I went through. And then, yeah, to kind of find out after the day that we exited the experiment, you know, on air, that he's also got these charges just adds a whole new layer of um, stress stress and trauma. And, you know, I don't want to use trauma lightly, but, you know, I, it's been really traumatizing for me. It's almost like you were like fooled. You were tricked into a situation and fuck, I went through this horrible thing, but also there was this other thing happening that I had no idea about. Like it was even worse than I anticipated or I experienced. Um, and you had no idea, I guess. I mean, it's probably better that you didn't find out till after. Imagine finding out during when you're stuck in a room with him. I mean, sometimes ignorance is bliss, but uh, I just cannot get over that. I just think, you know, they had the opportunity to to tell the truth and to show that that what I experienced wasn't okay and they've chosen the wrong horse to back, right? Because it's blown up in their face. I'd love to know at what point they found out about it, the charges, whether it was when the story broke or if they had some sort of knowledge. If it wasn't when they cast him, did they find out before the reunion? Like at the reunion when they're saying he's not here because of work, had he just lied to them and said that was why and they just didn't look into it further? Maybe they were none the wiser and they thought, oh, he can't come because of work. Or did they know and they were covering it up for him thinking that no one was going to find out, which is just mind-blowing in this day and age to think that something like that isn't going to come out. So I would love to know. We probably will never know when they found out. So in that time from filming the reunion and to when it aired, I guess you were still hopeful that, okay, they're going to show a well-rounded version so then you've gone through this traumatic experience kind of hopeful that it's all going to be aired in your favor possibly you know I wasn't even hopeful like I'd I'd said to them from the day that I left the experiment that if they don't show the truth that I will not be silent on it because it is such an important issue right now in society and like around Australia and around the world for women and I get that he was you know, verbally abusive. And there might be people that say that's not abuse. If you actually look up what documents, you know, domestic violence, verbal abuse is part of that and intimidation. Threats and intimidation. And I think it says anytime you're feeling unsafe or you feel fearful is classified as domestic abuse. Yeah. And so that's why... It can be verbal. It's not just physical, which I think is a big misconception in society. They think it's being physically assaulted and it's not. It can be manipulation. And that's like with Bryce and Melissa, people saying this isn't abuse, but it is. It's how it starts. It starts off as verbal. It starts off as making you feel like you don't have a voice, making you feel like you can't go out, making you isolated. All of these small little things, that's how it starts. It doesn't just start off as a physical assault all the time. Yeah. So it's it's a gradual thing and that's what a lot of people don't understand. It's um 
yeah, it's definitely been a, an interesting introduction to to this type of experience for sure. Well, well done for saying that to them. So you actually voiced to them, I'm not going to be silent, and they still chose to take that risk and yeah. provide a misconception about what really went down. Yeah, from the day I left the experiment, I told every support person that I spoke to that I would not be I would not tolerate this not being aired. And obviously I understand they have an objective, you know, it's a it's a TV show, but they also have a responsibility to you know to everyone, I think, like to women around the country or you know if a man was in this situation to men around the country to show the truth. I mean, that's I mean maybe it's naive of me to think that. I think there's two things as well, like a lot of people are saying that the behavior for example, I'm using Bryce and Melissa as an example here, but certain behaviors shouldn't be shown because it can be triggering, so they don't show it because it's too too graphic or whatever. But then there's the other thing of like, okay, you're showing this behavior, that's fine, but you're not calling it out. Instead of saying which any psychologist would understand that this is signs of a an abusive relationship call it that like say you know we're going to show this behavior and we're going to call it out and say this is what abusive relationships look like but instead they downplayed it and they said this is a complex relationship it's like if you're going to air that type of behavior you have a responsibility to call it for what it is I guess and that's what they haven't done and even with your situation when they were displaying those things where Chris was a little bit aggressive they instead chose to portray you as a villain or chose to portray you as like a bitch or a complainer and it's like that's how the women on these shows are always portrayed yeah I mean I I even said again to one of the kind of support people at the time I'm like anyone that experiences any kind of abuse or any kind of situation where they feel fearful should have there should be an automatic obligation that I was offered a confidential conversation Mm. with someone you know, with a psychologist or with whoever it might be to make sure that I was okay. And not once was that offered. And so I've said, moving forward, if anyone on this show ever experiences these types of situations, it should be mandatory that this happens to just, even if it's to make sure that I'm okay. Mm. Like that's such a basic thing. It's a human right, really. Yeah. And I think us coming into the show as intruders, we didn't have all the, we didn't get the briefings. I didn't know what I was allowed to do or what I was allowed to say or not say. Like I didn't understand and was never given the information about, you know, how to manage these situations, which, you know, everyone else on the show did. All the other people that had entered the experiment in the beginning got those briefings and we didn't. So I'm kind of, you know, flying by the seat of my pants trying to manage this really like, you know, confronting and scary situation and not really knowing what what's what I should be asking for or what is available. What your rights are and what you've what tools you've got available. Yeah. So what do you think if you'd asked for a support person, would they have even given you one? Well, I did the second time. So I made sure that I actually said I want to have a comp- like a confidential conversation with someone. And they provided that. Yeah. When you say private conversation, was that with like a psychologist? I just asked if I could have an off the record conversation because like I'd said to you, like I didn't want to say certain things about Chris and my experience on camera because I was, you know, worried about his family and his kids and the impact that it would have. So, yeah, I tried to be... You know, I guess as honest in saying that I needed an off the record conversation because I just I wanted an opportunity to speak that wasn't on camera and on mic. And I'm guessing that was with a producer. Yeah. And what what happened in that conversation? What did you say to them? So I just told, you know, the whole story, like my real experience and what I'd been going through. And 
Um, and that's kind of when we got to those final scenes. And their response was, well, we're just going to kick you off the show. Uh, I was asked whether it was something that we could recover. And I just said, you know, based on what I experienced on the honeymoon and today and, you know, his behaviour, like I didn't, I had no interest in staying. And so they said, well, we're just going to write you off today. Yeah. Wow. So did they ever offer saying, do you want some someone to talk to? Do you, are you okay? Was there ever any concern for your how you were feeling? Uh, again, like I was in a bit of a, like a, I guess a, I don't want to say a trance, but like it was an out-of-body kind of experience. Um, I just got put in a cab, went home, and then, yeah, I mean, possibly the, I think maybe the, maybe I had some conversations that day, but um, I can't quite remember. Crazy. I just can't believe that there's no duty of care. Even just from like a moral perspective of this person's obviously not coping. Should we make sure that they're okay? They just send you back off home and let you deal with everything on your own. Yeah. I mean, who knows, right? Like maybe, I don't know if, I mean, I guess there was me telling my story and there was Chris telling his story. I don't know what he told them. Maybe they believed him. I'm not sure. Which seems to be the case because on this show consistently, the guys who are not good guys, actually aggressive guys, are made to look like heroes and the woman is always painted as the villain and portrayed negatively and not only that, put in dangerous situations. I know Davina, she came off of that show with the worst edit ever and she was paired with a guy who wasn't the greatest either. Yeah, time and time again, even with Innes, I know Innes is a bit, you know, she's not innocent, Mm -hmm. but there was things going on with her and Bronson that there was reasons why she was reacting like that on the boat, for example. He'd said some stuff to her and they only then played her outburst, which was a build-up of a million things that had happened that day that wasn't aired. So they made her just look like she had this random outburst, which, again, when I was watching back on yours, I'm like, you wouldn't have just behaved like that. You wouldn't have just said those things out of nowhere. No one in their right mind would say that stuff on camera, knowing they're being filmed and stuff. You know, there's obviously more going on was what I'm trying to say. But yeah. um, it's just crazy that they consistently choose to make these, guys look great it's yeah I mean it has been happening for years and obviously I've had a lot of people reach out to me after the airing and kind of share their stories you know people that have been on the show before and so that's you know it's been reassuring but it's also really confronting that you know this is not just something that's happened to me and there's been times when other people have spoken out about it and still it continues. It's like, it's literally as if they don't care or they think they can just get away with it, which mm. maybe they can, like, who knows? There's just seems to be no accountability or no way for them to be held accountable. It's, uh, yeah. Which is scary. I don't know why people keep going on the show. I don't know why I went on the show. <laughs> like, I guess you always think it wouldn't happen to me. Well, I honestly, you know, I believed when they told me they were trying to make this better this year and... Mm. And I, I genuinely, you know, it's. I always say when people say they're genuine, they're not genuine. But I went in there really hopeful. Like I'm at a time in my life where I really want to meet someone and settle down. And, you know, I've dated the, you know, the high-flying idiots that they continually played. But, With the yacht. you know, <laughs> interestingly, like I've also dated tradies. I've dated farmers. Like I've dated lots of different types of guys. And so it actually really annoyed me that they tried to portray me as this you know snobby person that only dates you know a certain type Mm. of guy because it is completely false Mm. like if you spoke to anyone that actually knows me that's absolute bullshit so they've typecast you just into the character that they wanted yeah 
And like, of course I said that, right? I said I've dated a high-flying wanker because my ex was one. (laughs) So I'm sure that he was top of mind when I said that. But no, like I've dated other people. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's really tough. Back to the charges. Have production since the charges have come to light, have they said anything to you about the charges? Have they acknowledged it? Have they apologised for pairing you with someone potentially dangerous? I have not heard from anyone. Wow. That is crazy. Not a peep. Not a peep. Crazy. I have no words. So not even like checking in with you. Are you okay after hearing this? Like, this is crazy. Like, we're sorry that this has happened to you. No. Wow. Disgrace to not even have the moral decency to contact you and acknowledge it. Well, I think like the morals went out the window when they aired what they did Mm. for me. You know, there is there is zero discussion and zero relationship to have with them at all after what they aired and after my experience. So you haven't had any contact with Channel 9 since the reunion? No. So, um, you know, they contacted me about publicity the day after our, our first episode aired. And, you know, I'd say as you can imagine, but probably not because you weren't in my bedroom when I couldn't get out of bed all day um, without crying. Um but yeah, I, I said to them that day, I, I actually emotionally and mentally cannot handle any publicity. And yeah, since then, uh, I haven't been offered any either. So for me, that says, you know, that I, they obviously view me as a bit of a, a risk, right? Mm. If I'm not feeling comfortable with what's been shown on TV, then it's easier not to allow me to have an avenue to speak, which is why I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> thanks. <laughs> lucky for lucky for so dramatic listeners, you're here. So they've effectively not only swept this under the rug and incorrectly portrayed something that's false, they've then silenced you and not allowed you to speak your truth and clear up what was aired and what they've shown you and who they've portrayed you as and damaged your reputation. For and sure. then silenced you and you haven't even been given a chance to fix it. Yeah, like I, you know, watching the show, I was I was as confronted as everyone watching, you know, the scenes like the hand washing and, you know, I was I was willing to come out and talk about that or me saying speak mm. English. Like for me, and I know it came across terribly, but I would say that to, you know, the day that we were watching the honeymoon, my my one of my manmaids was, you know, mumbling his words and I kept saying like speak English. Like it was said in jest, but I never had the opportunity to even try yeah. and communicate that or rectify that I understand how badly it came across but I've had no chance to even say stuff and what's the point I'm going to say it to a troll like they're not going to listen because it's one thing to portray something badly because we all know it's for entertainment at the end of the day they've got a show to make but then to not let you the day after in publicity clear it up it's not going to affect their ratings and I know that other contestants have been able to do that I know Bex cleared heaps of stuff up she's done Kyle and Jackie O which is all approved by Channel 9 And she said, oh, actually, you know, they didn't show this or that was worse than what was shown. So that's a normal thing to happen. So it seems like they've done that on purpose, not given you an avenue to speak to the public. Yeah. And for me, that's been probably one of the biggest challenges that I've faced over the last few weeks. You know, I've tried to, I guess, once I got my socials back, tried to be able to have a voice and to share some things and try and, I guess, show people who I really am. But it's not... 
it's not the same. It doesn't get, you know, my my few little followers on my Instagram are not <laughs> going to change the world, right? And it's been so impactful to me. It's been impactful to my family and to my friends. You know, I left work last week because I literally was having a breakdown. And, you know, this is after everything's aired. I could not, like I couldn't stay there. And I thought I'm going to go out and take myself for a walk around the park. And I walked down to the street and I felt like everyone hated me. And I like went back to the office and I just said, like, I've got to go home. Like, I can't handle this. Like it's, you know, people think that it's a show on TV. Like we are real. Mm, You're real people and it's a real experience for you and it's your life and your name and... Yeah, and I think, you know, I've been told by, you know, someone from the show at one point, they're like, don't worry, it's just a couple of episodes, you know. And I said, well, what about when it airs in other countries around the world? Like, what about when it airs in the US and the UK? Like, we're going to have to relive this. And the response was, you know, don't worry, those places are so far away. (laughs) Geographically, yeah. But I'm like, it doesn't change the impact on social media. It doesn't change the fact that I work, you know, in marketing, I work for global companies. So it's going to impact me moving forward for the rest of my life, depending on where I work. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it might seem trivial and you might be able to downplay it as, you know, it's just three episodes on a little show. That's not the reality of the impact that it has on your life. And it's viewed by millions of people. So even you speaking out on Instagram, it's what, 10,000 people might not see even? it. Like When there's been a million people who have seen otherwise and they're not seeing your Instagram thing, um, did it feel kind of like a relief even just being out of voice, how you were feeling to the public to some degree? Yeah, like definitely. I think, um, you know, I shared some of the trolling messages that I've received and they've, you know, varied from you know, general hate to death threats to bashing me, you know, all of these types of things and being able to at least share. And, you know, I'm I'm still mindful of, of my contract at the time, but um, being able to share who I am and, and my actual personality, I started to get some nice messages come through. And so for me, that's really turned things around. Like, even if it hasn't from a general you know, Australian public consensus of who they think that I am, even having the few people write to me and say, I'm really sorry. And, you know, in your podcast, I can't remember which one it was, really shifted that narrative. So, like, I'm so grateful. Mm. (laughs) That makes me so happy. You know, I'm so grateful to have the podcast because, you know, like it's all fun and games and it's a bit of entertainment. But the biggest thing for me is you know, getting the truth out there and giving people that don't have a voice a voice because I know how fucked editing can be and I know how what stuff that goes on during this filming is absolutely disgraceful and really fucked up. And for a number of years, I've been trying to do that because it just doesn't sit right with me. The stuff that I've heard, even on previous seasons, mm. I'm just like, people wouldn't believe it if you told them what had gone on really. Like it's with drugs crazy. and just a range of things and abuse and people you know, suicidal and production turning a blind eye. It just, I don't know how anyone could live with that and turn a blind eye. So yeah, thanks for saying that because that's... Yeah, and like I'm I'm really proud of myself of being able, you know, people write to me and they're like, I don't know how you manage. And I'm like, well, I'm not. But, you know, I guess through this experience, I've been shown that I'm far more resilient than I ever knew. So I think that 
you know, in past experiences, I've, I've been torn down by a lot. So like, you know, relationships ending, I don't handle them well. I fall apart. Like that's just, you know, I'm a really emotional person. And so I think this entire experience and, and the way that I've been able to, yes, lose it, because obviously I'm, you know, I've lost it a few times today, um, but still being able to like hold my life together and not get to that point where I'm like, I am suicidal because my world is collapsing is being really, I guess it's not even reassuring. It's just been really validating of my, my strength and my, my knowing of the truth and being able to, to find strength in that. And your character and also like a credit to you that you've survived that you've done it with dignity. You've yeah come out the other side, but I think, you know, as, crap as it is and as tough as it's been obviously hopefully something good will come out of this for you or it's going to be a big <laughs> lesson for you or I don't know I can't even think of a saying you want, know those you sayings know. that are like you know <laughs> when shit happens want, something good I wanted a out. good relationship out of this like I you know apart from before going into this you know I, I was really happy you know I've got a great family I have a job that I love like I I don't want much more. You know, I was honest when I said the missing piece is that person that's going to stand beside me. Um, you know, I don't – I have no desire to be – you know, I didn't go on this for any other reason than than what is real. So do you feel like it's not destroyed your life? That's a bit well, – did it? Like I don't know how else to word it. Like do you feel that it has – how would you put it into – I can't even articulate what I mean. How would you – what effect do you think it's had on you long term? I don't know yet. Um, I think because it's like, is it something that you think that you'll get through? You, get- I think I will because of you know the support that I do have. So I know I know who I am, even more so through this experience. Um, you know, I have the support of great family and friends. I am stable in most other areas of my life. But it does of course, sound like you've like, got a good support system and a good, yeah, you know, even your workplace being understanding. But like the psychological impact of this is is it like enormous? You know, like I talked about earlier, walking down the street and being worried about, um, you know, someone wanting to like bash me or someone wanting to, you know, hurt me because of what they've seen on TV. And like, I don't know when that's going to stop. Like, I walk, I walk to get lunch, you know, leaving the office and you know, people always look at people. That's normal. Like I always make eye contact with people. But now when people, like when I get looked at, I'm like, oh, what do you think of me? So it's like a, almost a paranoia of yeah. what are they thinking about me? Do they recognize me? Do they yeah, think it's I'm horrible. horrible. Which would always happen, right? Like going on reality TV is a thing that people are, you know, you'll get recognized. Mm. But to be recognized for something that is so far from who you really are. Must be is, frustrating. It's hard. Yeah. Do you feel powerless? Not now. You had no, you, not now, but before, did you feel powerless in terms of like you had no control over how you were portrayed? You had no voice. You really were left with no other choice but to speak out, I guess. That's how I felt. And, you know, before the airing, I really was, I guess, remaining strong thinking that they had that that moral and ethical, you know, duty to do the right thing. And especially like in the current climate, like why would you not? If if maths had to come out and shown what really happened and showed that behaviour wasn't right towards women, 
Like it could have been a turning point for the show. Mm, like how many really women powerful. would have got behind that and been mm-hmm. like for the first time ever, they've done the right thing. Yeah, it's a shame. It's really it's, – it's a disgrace that they didn't and that they continue. It's like they're stuck in 1900. But it's also really terrifying that like the, the first people to tear down a woman is a woman. Mm. Like most of the trolls that I've had are women. Well, most of the producers are women, aren't they? Uh, yeah, I don't know. There was, a, there was a decent mix, but the main producer is a woman. Yeah. And the assistant producers, I assume, are women, I've I been told. Know. Most of them are. I wasn't there long enough. Let's t- actually talk about the trolling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> when you say it's a woman messaging you, like what's the extent? What's the volume? Uh, um, like daily? I don't know. Like multiple messages per day? Yeah, yeah. Like, and what type of things do they say? Is it death threats or is it just you're horrible? Like, what's the kind of extent if you feel comfortable discussing it? Yeah, there's been a huge mix of um, of the messages I've received. Actually, I got my um, my socials back and was lucky enough that there were, you know, troll messages left there for me, which was not part of what was meant to happen. Wait, don't they take your social media I know they've done it differently this year they haven't allowed comments on photos and I was told by other contestants that they cleared all of their messages even messages that were there before which I guess they've done because it's just easier to do a delete all so you guys don't have to see the backlash and the trolling is that to protect your mental health yeah it's meant to be so what that didn't happen for you no so like obviously the commenting was turned off that's just you know what happens um but yeah, I got given my socials back with hundreds of troll messages left there for me to see, which like I let them know and their response was, you know, obviously, sorry, this is not meant to happen. Um, they told me how to delete them or that they could, you know, sign back in and do it for me. But I guess the damage is already done, done, right? Yeah. Like I've seen them. And you were the only contestant that happened to. Did everyone else have theirs wiped? As far as I know, yeah. Yeah. So and the one contestant who probably needed that the most because you you got one of the worst portrayals on the show they didn't do it for no yeah so so they're varied right so I've had you know the general ones that are are carrying on about the trivial things like the washing your hands and those types of comments to yeah threats of being bashed threats of people wanting to find you you know go kill yourself was written a few times um and, you know, I guess for me, some of the worst things were that, you know, I had Chris's family trolling me. What? Um, yeah. Like someone How? wrote to me and I was like, interesting surname. And he said, yeah, well, you you were, um, you joined the family for a short minute. I guess I won't see you at Christmas. Who was it? I don't know. Someone in his family. So with the same, with the last name Jensen. Yeah. Publicly trolling you with their name attached to it. Yeah. How brazen. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, wow. if the tables had been turned, like I would never, I would never condone that behaviour from anyone. And I've, you know, in the troll messages I, I have shared to kind of highlight what goes on behind the scenes, you know, I've always said to people don't, I don't condone trolling and I don't want you to, you know, I've reported them and done the right thing through through Instagram or through the platforms but, you know, because it's something that I'm experiencing and I don't, you know, it, it hurts me and I don't appreciate it. I, I would, don't, wouldn't want that to happen to someone else. So, so you don't want people to troll other people on your behalf? No. But then 
you know, his own family is trolling me and trolling me over something that's not even the truth. So this is what I want to get into now. I had someone who claimed to be Chris's best friend, her name's Jessica, leaving all of these horrible comments on my page underneath post about you when I was basically saying this is what really happened. It was horrible. Like I just deleted them because I was like, I don't want that on my page. I don't want you to see that. Like I've got a responsibility. This one kept popping up. I would delete it and she kept coming up. Yeah. And then she attacked me um, and started trolling me on because I was putting... Sorry. No, no, no. Not, not because of you, <laughs> no. but because I was saying poor Jamie, she started trolling me. So I blocked her on the page. Then she started going on other these other troll pages who have been trolling me for months. She would go on their page and it was like they were like working together and they were leaving comments on everywhere about you and me. And let me read out some of them. Um, Jamie spun a story of lies to all the other cast members, mainly the girls who are now siding with her story. <laughs> so she's writing all of this type of stuff, this narrative about you publicly under her name. And she's working with these pages Maths Gossip, uh, which is actually run by a reporter at the Daily Mail, funnily enough. Um, Maths Uncensored, they're all just known to be troll pages that attack people, mock their appearance, threaten people, blackmail people. I saw this one that you reshared on your uh, Instagram. She said, I've purchased two tickets for us to go for a little getaway in Bondi. Just seemed like the best destination for some reason. And then she left all of these emojis basically with a sneaky face. Um, I remember it. Yeah. You actually replied to her. You said, is that you and Chris, Jess? Because if that's a threat, then I'm more than happy to take this further to the police and get an AVO against him to avoid more abusive behavior if I need to. Now, this same person went to the Daily Mail and gave them quotes about Chris and your relationship and uh, spun this spun this story about Chris. Ugh, it's just so crazy. They said that one of the questions was why wasn't Chris at the reunion? Obviously, we all know that he can't be at the reunion. Now, in this article, which Chris's best friend gave information to, um, it says a source, but let's say allegedly her because she's talking to these pages and this reporter in particular who wrote the story his name is Ali he wrote this story and he was communicating with this girl in comments publicly with his name with his page and whatever now Chris's friend a source has claimed in this story that he didn't go to the reunion because he didn't want to be attacked by you let me actually just read out the article because it's fucking insane I'm I was so angry when I saw this that I obviously a lot of people would have seen I posted it on my story let me read it out Daily Mail can reveal that the 32-year-old FIFO worker decided not to attend the two-episode special which will air after the final vows. Married at First Sight groom Chris Jensen won a legion of fans for his down-to-earth persona in the televised social experiment. But viewers hoping to see him again reunite with jilted bride Jamie Gardner during the show's much-anticipated reunion will be massively disappointed. Daily Mail Australia can reveal that the 32-year-old FIFO worker decided not to attend the two-episode special which will air after the final vows a source revealed the sunshine the sunshine coast father of two didn't want to put himself in a position to be attacked by his wife again he doesn't want to see her again he's not the sort of person that likes to purposely walk into confrontation it's the complete opposite of what he stands for they continued jamie tried to convince him to stay and begged him to stop being too nice to make her attitude and what she was saying about him look okay the source went on to say Chris was devastated to have been paired with Jamie. His intentions for signing up for Married at First Sight were the right reasons. He didn't care for fame and wasn't expecting his past to be resurfaced. He was 100% <sighs> not devastated. And I mean, 
we we've already talked about you know some of the possible reasons why he didn't turn up but the night before I had that conversation with him you know I said to you he sent me that text where he was like I wish I could kiss you all day and taste you on my lips so you know at no point did I ever feel like Chris wasn't interested or was devastated to be with me and you know I can only assume that after the time he was probably it was safer for him to not come right because if he came and I actually confronted him Mm. with some of those behaviors maybe they would have had to air it I don't know so he's almost quitting while he's ahead I guess of course but maybe I mean who knows did he choose not to come did they say don't worry about it because they already had the storyline like I don't we'll never know right Now, not only that, but not once in this article did they mention that Chris had serious criminal charges pending against him. Not only that, but the language, like, won a legion of fans, down-to-earth persona, father of two. They've painted him out to be this amazing guy. They've not mentioned the charges, which is very important. Like, to not mention someone's got pending charges or facing a criminal investigation or court case whatever you want to call it is just mind-blowing and when I actually put that on Instagram and said what the fuck that reporter then amended the copy and added it in but yet when they describe you they call you a jilted bride yeah <laughs> so this person no, like I have no words crim- no I'm I posted it and I went off my head and people probably thinking what's she ranting about but jilted. I was disgusted they've called someone who has serious Supreme Court federal charges against them, a loving father of two with a legion of fans and a down-to-earth persona, and yet the victim in all of this, the woman who's speaking out about how she was abused. I don't know. I mean, all I know, I guess, is people have written to me and and said lots of things, right? It's all allegations and who knows what's actually true, but, you know, people have written to me and said that he doesn't even have custody of his children right now. You know, I going back to the wedding... Um, you know, my man maids kind of asked him what his relationship was like with his wife. And they told me that day, like his response was really sketchy, you know, and I, again, I've had other people write to me and, and say things about, you know, his, that they'd spoken to him before he came on the show and that, you know, all he was concerned about was whether they were going to make him look like a bad guy. So all of these things that I've found out since filming, you know, kind of fit the narrative that he was there just to to try and really make sure he was a good guy, which makes sense if if he's actually, you know, on bail and on charges, which is what we found out. Well, they just said that he didn't go on the show for fame, but I would just like to point out that he was the first contestant to sign up with celebrity agent Max Markson. So if you didn't go on the show for fame, you would not sign up with an agent to continue your media career after. So this reporter referred to you as a jilted bride basically because you – calling out the bad behavior which is just the definition of sexism and misogyny yeah I just I was disgusted reading that article because what about the words like brave powerful outspoken strong-willed like none of that was mentioned then they've turned this story around on you basically defaming you and your character and making you out to be the villain um, to deflect from his own behavior so yeah they've spun this narrative that's again blaming the woman and the victim protecting his reputation by destroying yours effectively and I guess as well this source was trying to paint you out to be not only a villain but unreliable so maybe when you do speak out which they obviously thought that maybe you would that you wouldn't be believed and that's textbook move for abusers 
So then I posted this on my Instagram and I basically said like, this is all false. The reason he wasn't at the reunion was because of the charges. And then this person, this reporter has still run the story. And there's been other articles written since that have like been a follow up of why Chris wasn't at the reunion. And they're still saying that it's because he was scared you were going to attack him. So there's been about four articles now saying he was scared that you were going to attack him and he was fearful. Like, how does that feel reading that? Yeah, I think I actually, when I first saw that article, I um I posted it to my Instagram and called out fake news. Uh and the response to that wasn't great. So um what yeah. do you mean from who? So I was kind of, you know, I guess shamed for calling out that it's fake news. Oh yeah, cuz what you posted on Instagram, let me read it out. It said media sites that perpetuate abuse and violence need to be held accountable. Who agrees that Chris's best mate Jess should be reported for this threatening behavior? Clearly, he hasn't been honest with her either. <laughs> then you did a poll and the poll was 88% yes. Yeah, good. At least it still was pretty high <laughs> considering the amount of trolls. How are you coping with the trolling in the aftermath of the show ending? Obviously, we've touched on, on it and stuff, but like, are you okay with it now? Is it something that you've got to learn to live with? Good question. Um, I think coming into the experiment, you always expect that there's going to be an element of people that like you and people that don't. But yeah, I never expected to be portrayed in the way that I was. So how am I coping? I think some days I'm okay um, and can kind of get on with life. But other days, like I wake, you know, I've had nightmares, like really Mm. vivid, scary, horrible nightmares. And I mean, for weeks on end, Um, you know, where I'm being chased, where someone's trying to kill me, where I'm stuck in a box and I can't get out. Like it's... And that's that's obviously a sign of what I'm not dealing with in, in mm. my conscious life, right? That, you know, when you go to sleep, it gets you anyway. Mm. Um, and so, like, that takes a huge toll, you know. When I'm stressed, I don't eat. You know, mm. it impacts my work. It makes me, you know, in the last week I've been incredibly mad because, you know, I can't – I haven't had a voice and I haven't been able to speak and – that gets you in a way that, you know, I probably can't articulate very well. But, you know, it's been hard for my family too. You know, I spoke to mum the other day and I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't speak to you. I'm so mad. And, and you know, they only, yeah, they only care for me and they want me to be okay and to be happy. And, and you know, no one, no one can understand until you've been through this experience. No one can understand what it's like. So, you know, to the to the people that are trolling and, you know, I know Book has spoken out about this and, you know, the girls that do have their Instagram back have spoken out about it. Like we are real people with real lives. And for, you know, someone to write hateful, horrible messages, tell you to kill yourself when they've seen you on a TV show, which is very much like an altered reality. I know they call it reality TV. It's not for them to go and say these horrible things to you is just you know I have no words for that it's it's the most repulsive side of humanity that I wish I had never been exposed to because now that I have it's really yeah it's really confronting to think that people can be so disgusting it's one thing to criticize people I guess and share your opinion about you know someone on tv if you don't agree with their behavior but to tell someone to kill themselves yeah 
Like, is that what they want? Like, what would they? What would that achieve for them? Yeah, they like, don't if know I you. Did. They're not in their life. Like, how do they care so much about a show and a character on a show that they want you to go and kill yourself? That's just mind blowing. Yeah. And like, what impact would that have to my family and to my friends? And you know, going around the world globally, like, it's not. You know, there's been so many stories of reality TV stars that have stars. I hate saying that word. <laughs> well, you are reality TV Z graders, <laughs> participants. Participants. Of, I call you guys contestants, but it's actually participants. Thank you. Um, but you know that have gone and and killed themselves, like have taken their lives. And I don't even like saying killed themselves because that sounds, mm. you know, they've got to a point where they feel like there is no other solution. And to be pushed to that point by people that don't even know you mm. is just unthinkable. But it happens. Like that's the reality of reality TV. Mm. It's crazy the sheer volume as well of multiple people. It's not just like a one-off crazy person messaging you. It's like yeah. multiple people. I know. And like I think, you know, what I copped over saying, did you wash your hands? Mm. You know, I'm, I'm really worried about like Beck, like when mm. she gets her socials back. And yes, you know, we all make mistakes and things happen and I can't comment for things that she experienced or, you know, or went through. But to think that she's going to be in a position where that's going to happen to her, like at probably a much bigger scale. Mm, But definitely, I mean, I copped comments on my page when I put stuff up about you, but never nothing like what it was when on Monday when the episode came out about the truth about Beck and Jake and you know I was trying to get out to share share with people what had really gone on because there was a lot with that story that wasn't shown and I don't know if people just didn't believe what I put out or they just didn't care because of Beck had kissed this guy but the comments on my page the next day I had to switch off from social media that Mm. day which then led to more people messaging saying you're doing nothing and you're just ignoring us but it's like the messages were severe yeah I just thought fuck if Beck is like if I'm copying this on my page about Beck, what is she copying on her page? I know. What are they terrifying. what are they inboxing her privately? Like yeah. it's real scary. I yeah, hope I she's can't, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I hope she is too. But that's the thing, they just again they exposed her with that storyline, but there was other storylines that they didn't air. It's like they pick and choose who they want to throw to the wolves, I guess. It seems that way. So with the nightmares and stuff, like so you're having psychology at the moment to deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking, is that helping? It is. It's really helping, um, I guess, to differentiate between my experience and my feelings, um, which I think is a really important thing. Um, you know, because I can talk about and I have talked about my experience on the show and that's one thing and dealing with the actual feelings that were behind that. But now, yeah, this is a whole nother level of, I guess, trying to understand what's important and what really is impacting me right now because you know when I'm talking rationally about it I've kind of said that the trolls don't know me and they don't know the truth and that's been like my thing that I've hung on to but obviously by the fact that I'm experiencing the nightmares and all of these other things it is impacting me Mm. whether I want to acknowledge it or not yeah like I said before I've had PTSD Um, I still get triggers and it's you can't explain it I can't even put into words how terrifying it is like your whole body shuts down you have anxiety attacks where you can't breathe I've had the nightmares you wake up in the middle of the night 
crying and screaming and fearful of something that's not real but to you it is very real in that moment and it's like something that you live with forever because you don't know what's going to trigger you and that's the scary thing with this it's like yeah this is all over now and everyone moves on to the next show or whatever but you guys are left dealing with the repercussions forever completely like I woke the I woke up the other night I think it was like 4 a.m so my room's completely dark and this is such a stupid story but I have a fiddle leaf next to my bed and when I woke up and opened my eyes and looked at it I thought that someone was sitting in my room on my chair staring at me so like I woke up with like this sense of fear that someone was in my room and they were going to get me so it's not even in the dreams so it's crazy. like yeah it's crazy like that's the that's the amount of effect that it's having on you yeah it's which I hope people listening to this take that away and for all of us not just for me like obviously I'm expecting you know by by speaking and by doing this podcast I know that I'm opening myself up for all the people that still will think that I'm not being truthful or you know I've no, I mean, you know, I've no reason to lie like I really I really don't I feel like anyone any sane person any rational person can tell that you're not lying I feel like you know you're a very reliable source everything you've backed up everything's very concise and very well thought out and well articulated so yeah considering everything that you've told me about your experience what you went through and what you're still going through now and the effect that this show has had on you I guess as well the negligence and the lack of duty of care I guess they've really failed you in that regard have you considered taking legal action against the network Look, obviously going through something like I've been through, um, yeah, it's crossed my mind for sure. I think you definitely would have grounds to take legal action considering that you have your request in writing. Like you've got text messages where you're explicitly saying, I feel unsafe and they were ignored. And then the other element, I guess, of them pairing you with a potentially dangerous individual with pending criminal charges who they forced you to share a bed with. So look, I definitely think that you should take it further if you if that's what you wish to do because um, I do think that it's something that needs to stop. And I know that there's been previous years where people have wanted to do it and I don't know why I haven't followed through, but I mean, a great example is Poppy with her whole thing, which I think people are aware of, but like, when does it stop? You know what I mean? Like it's, it's like, there's no one there holding them to account. They just year after year keep keep going on so yeah I hope that you do (laughs) um oh did you see the petition that was started about getting channel 9 to apologize the change.org they wanted I think channel 9 to apologize for Bryce and Melissa's situation then channel 9 responded did you see the response Mm, yeah what did you think about their response to that petition look I think uh given Bryce and Melissa are still together you know I think that their response seems fair I think unless Melissa ever got to a point where she wanted to speak out about her treatment, then, you know, there's not really too much that can be done about it. I think she's going to be the one that has to make that movement a reality, unfortunately, even th- even though I know like so many people have been triggered by it. But do you think if they've got those experts on their psychologist that and they're not calling it out for what it is and giving her good advice to say, actually, this is signs of an abusive relationship. Do you think that's, you know, negligent, like they're failing their duty of care in terms of looking after her and her well-being? I mean, I don't know. I'm not a professional. (laughs) And, Um, And in regards to your situation as well, like that petition, I think it was a bit narrow. Like, I feel like it just should have been a broader thing about all of the behaviors that we were seeing on and off the camera, because I do think that that falls into you as well, where they. I think they said, what was their response? So 
The Married at First Sight executive producer John Walsh released a statement denying that Melissa and Bryce's relationship was characterised by domestic violence. He said, The petition in question does not reflect the nature of Bryce and Melissa's relationship and at no time did Endemol Shine Australia or Nine consider Bryce and Melissa's relationship to be characterised by domestic violence or the like. Had that been the case, we would have intervened immediately. He also said that Married at First Sight's first priority is to make sure all the participants feel that they're operating in a safe environment. Do you agree like with what he said? Like, Do you think from your experience they upheld what they're saying that they their first priority is? I mean, I can only speak from my own experience, but I definitely at the time and haven't since felt that way. I guess when you've got in writing that you've expressed to them that you feel safe and it's ignored, I don't feel like that they have kept up their end of the deal. Let's talk about the experts. What were your thoughts on the experts? So I only met them that one time. Oh, that's right. And then plus the reunion. But, you know, sitting on that couch, I definitely felt as though Alessandra and and Mel, I really felt like they felt for me in that moment. And so I don't know if that's just, you know, my, I guess the reflections of what I was hoping to find um, in that moment sitting on the couch. But yeah, I, I felt a lot of compassion from them, even though I wasn't kind of voicing what my real experience was. I just, I got a sense from them that there was some compassion there for me. But, you know, they, they didn't ask the questions to kind of open up that opportunity for me to speak. I guess that's on me as well. So do you feel like they their actions didn't match or their feelings didn't match their actions? Is that what you mean? Like you felt like they cared, but they then didn't care enough to ask you. I think I, that's how I felt at the time. Um, so definitely I felt like there was compassion from them. And, you know, in watching back the episodes or in watching, you know, when it aired, some of the things that were said about me and about Chris you know Chris is the interesting thing right through the experiment is that Chris is Chris hadn't filmed his backstory yet so the backstory is the introductory story that we all watch so I'd filmed mine where I talked you know sitting in my house about my family and my expectations for the show and all of these types of things and Chris hadn't done that yet because they didn't have time or he must have been, I'm not sure, maybe working. I don't know why he didn't do that yet. Actually, I remember watching when they did his backstory, it was in the Meriton apartment. Was it? I'm pretty sure. I remember thinking, oh, they're filming his backstory in the apartment at the Meriton. I'm not sure. I think it was him, yeah. Well, they hadn't filmed it yet. And so I actually went back and watched it. And it's really interesting to see that, you know, he brought up all the things that were part of our storyline. So he said, I'm never going to be a high flyer. He said, I'm not good at, um, I'm not very good at English or something along those lines. He, you know, talked about the fact that his relationship ended because they just, you know, grew apart. There were lots of things that were built into his storyline that the producers didn't even necessarily know before we started filming. Right. So do you think that it was definitely, well, it was definitely done after, but do you think that they fed him what to say to fit the storyline? Definitely. I mean, I shouldn't say definitely, right? But I can only assume so from what I've seen because they didn't even know on the wedding day when he told me that he was dyslexic and he said it really like apologetically. And I just said to him, you don't have to apologize for that. Like, um, thank you for being so vulnerable. And then that you know, when it aired, that storyline became the storyline 
And it was something that producers didn't even know about before our wedding day. Oh, wow. They didn't know he was dyslexic before? No. Wow. So the entire, you know, one of the biggest things that was held against me was a crafted into the storyline. Wow. Yeah. The it's fact really that he did his backstory after, that just proves everything really, hey, that they had in their mind what they wanted the story to be. And so they waited till after to exactly know what gaps for him to fill. Exactly. And so maybe they did I mean maybe they did it on purpose. <laughs> Was he a paid actor? Like literally it's how it's sounding. Well He's the literally fact that like he, a puppet. Really, the fact that he didn't know his own family's name at our wedding day. What do you mean? So we were sitting at our reception table and, you know, I'd kind of pointed out who my friends were and, and kind of talked about that. And he said, oh, this is my, he said, this is my auntie Debbie. I was like, okay. And he's like, and this is my auntie. Da, 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 da. And, and I laughed at the time and I was like, <laughs> I said, like, how do you not know your own family's name? Like, are these people actors? And he's like, no, you know, and just kind of played it off as being nervous. But now looking back, I'm like, were they paid actors? So he didn't know someone's, his auntie's name? No. And apparently his uncle's a cop as well. So, you know, when he's got an uncle as a cop and then now we know, you know, what, what his real backstory is. I just I, I find there? it all really baffling. Was the uncle there? Yeah. Also the uncle at the wedding, he's like, this is my uncle. He's a cop. Yeah. Wow. I wonder if they were actors. I have no idea, but you know there were so many. There were so many things at the day on on the day no, where I was kind of like, up. "Oh, this is a bit strange." But yeah, now in hindsight, you're like, "Wait a minute." <laughs> yeah, awkward. Was there anything else that you've now in hindsight thought that was a red flag, or that's just d- doesn't add up? I mean, they were the main things. I think one of the other things was like he'd said to me, and these were just you know trivial things when you get to know someone, and at the time you're just kind of like, "Oh, that's a bit weird," but. Uh, you know, he told me his um, his dad lives in Saudi and he's a, you know, a, a helicopter engineer or something like that. But then when I spoke to his uncle, his uncle said that his dad lived in Thailand. So I was like, okay, well, where does your dad live? Like my parents are in Victoria. Two very different places as well. Yeah. So there were lots of these conversations that were just a little bit strange. Do you think the uncle forgot or do you think maybe the uncle was like, if he imagine if he was an actor and they were like, gave him stuff that he had to remember and he just got it wrong. I like, that's what it's sounding like to me. It, it's really, how do you not know where your family people live? Mem- yeah. Crazy. Weird. And you were only filming for a week. Is that right? Yeah, just, Which over, is- just over a week. So all of this happened in one week. Yeah. Like- I think it was about eight days. That is crazy. So literally in one week, your whole world has been turned upside down. And Yeah. I think in, someone, in one of the gone... trolls told me I was the most hated person in Australia, which I saw someone say that about Beck yesterday. So I was like, I guess I've less, lost my title. <laughs> it's, um, a badge, it's a badge you have to wear with honour. Sorry, I've been called worse and I've just – I got called the devil and so then I just turned it around and I just owned it. Now I just call myself the devil because if you're not offended, they can't offend you. Yeah, but it's just crazy that you went from, you know, this having your life t- all together, being really happy and – having everything going for you and then a week later everything's just turned upside down in a week it's really hard to like come to terms with for sure because you sign up you know you sign up to something like this there's either two things that you want right you want to be famous or you believe what they tell you and I was the stupid latter one (laughs) um and so yeah to kind of have that all 
completely disrupt your life in a way that you can never, like I'll never be the same. I never will. And that's something that I just kind of have to live with now. It's like, I still know, I still know who I am and I still have the people that are important to me, but there's always going to be this, I guess, perception of me that hangs over. This is probably an obvious question, um, given everything that you've said, but if you had the chance to do it over again, (laughs) would you still do Married at First Sight knowing everything that you know now and everything that you've experienced? Never in a million years. Never in a million lifetimes. Wow. Yeah. I know a lot of people that are like, oh, I wouldn't do it again, but I learned so much, but to say that you definitely wouldn't do it regardless of the benefits is crazy there's no benefit there is no benefit what you know and you know people make jokes about it what I'm gonna do teeth whitening and you know lead lights no like I'm not interested you've got a career yeah what do you think's been the biggest thing that you've learned about yourself from the experience I mean if we're going to finish on a positive (laughs) try to I'm like "Hmm, what positive can we bring from this thank you is there anything that you're grateful that you've learned from doing the show? Anything you can take, like any positive from the experience? I think I kind of touched on it earlier. Um, you know, it's really highlighted to me some, you know, my not that I needed it to be highlighted, but my incredible family and friends. So that's been one element, the people that are important to me. And I, I tend to keep a, a tight knit kind of close group anyway. Um but, you know, say my manmaids, they have stepped up and been incredibly supportive through this because they were there and they kind mm. of, you know, at least it feels like they've experienced it a little bit with me. Because we're very lonely because you're like, no one else can understand no it. what you've been through. And even if you ex- try to explain it to people, it's they still weren't there, you know. Yeah. And half the people want to know because they want to know the goss. They don't really care, care about, about you. you. Yeah. So it's been it's been really important to identify the people in my life who are there because they give a shit and the people that just want to know the goss. And so that's been quite interesting working through that. But for me personally, like I am the fact that I'm holding my shit reasonably together right now has shown me that I am far stronger and far more resilient than I ever give myself credit for. You know, I've been through breakups where I've completely let myself fall apart and this has been far more disruptive, you know, as a life event than any breakup could be and I'm kind of still holding true to myself. So I guess that's been one thing, the probably the biggest thing. Um, but then also that, you know, for once in my life, I trusted my gut. I've been in relationships where you get red flags and you're like, it's okay. It's me. Mm. It's not them. And you end up getting into a situation where you compromise yourself or you, you know, I've ended up a shell of myself because I've been with people that have been like red flag, red flag. And I'm like, that's okay. I'm still here. Um, and this was the one time that I was like, do you know what? This, this is not okay. And I won't accept this behavior. And so as much as I've copped shit for, you know, the way that it came across on TV, like I am so proud of myself for walking away from that absolute, probably in your own words, dumpster fire. (laughs) (laughs) Dumpster fire of a show. Yeah. I do think that you've handled yourself, you know, with such dignity and grace after the show, considering everything that you went through. And I do think that it's incredibly brave to speak out against, I guess, a big corporation and a big production. Um, 
and also just being vulnerable and like sharing your experience, obviously in the hope to help other people. So yeah, I think you should be so proud. Because I think, you know, and thank you for saying that because I probably wouldn't have touched on it. But, you know, I think there's so many women that stay in situations that aren't good for them, that are either abusive or emotionally manipulative or whatever the degree of, of abuse might be that don't speak up and don't feel like they can have a voice. So, you know, and I'm not trying to sound like, you know, this is going to change people's lives. But, you know, if it changes one person's life by feeling like, do you know what, I'm going to put myself first or... I'm going to speak out like that's that would I mean I've been crying a lot already but like that would really make me cry mm, like that is just, just help so one nice. person it would mean so much yeah and I think it is inspirational for other people to hear someone else speaking their truth and speaking out and standing up for yourself so I'm there's no doubt that I do think that you will be helping a lot of other people yeah I hope so so well done takes a lot Thank to you. no it takes a lot not even to you know cop the backlash of breaking a contract and all of that but to be so vulnerable and like share your experience and open up and be emotional and publicly like it's a really hard thing to do so well done and thank you thank you so not only are you going to be inspiring other people with your story but you're also auctioning off your ring can you talk about that yeah so uh, next week, I will be auctioning off my wedding ring. So it's a, a custom, one-of-a-kind ring. Like, there's literally no other like it in the world, um, made by perfection. God, um, I'm surprised Channel 9. I know, I'm surprised <laughs> I thought you would have just too. got, like, a fake diamond ring from, like, La Vista or yeah, something. Yeah, I know. Everyone, like, so it's an actual contestants diamond. have been like, you've actually got a diamond ring? Yeah. Um, so it's absolutely beautiful, but it only fits on my wedding finger. Um, and it can't be resized. So oh, okay. it's a real shame. But obviously for me, I don't, you know, it doesn't doesn't hold any value in terms of, you know, I'm never going to wear it on my wedding finger. Um, and so, yeah, I've decided to actually auction that off and then I'm going to donate the proceeds. So 50% of it is going to go to White Ribbon, which obviously supports women in domestic violence and also um, the Prostate Cancer Federation of Australia. So my dad actually had um, prostate cancer a number of years ago. So that one is, you know, something that's quite close to my heart and he's you know, thankfully recovered. That's so nice of you to do that. And I think it's just, you know, it's my way. great causes. Yeah. It's my way of being able to like turn, you know, what wasn't a great experience for me into something positive that I can be proud of. Um, So I'm really excited for that to happen. And a bit meaningful, like adding some meaning to what was a really horrible situation. I guess that's one positive to come out of it. You're able to donate to two awesome charities. Yeah. How much is the ring valued? I saw a figure saying $17,000. Yeah, it's over 16. So just over 16. I cannot believe that's how much the rings are valued at. So you really are going to be making a big impact to those charities, which is amazing. Yeah, let's hope so. So we'll see, you know, obviously people get behind it. That'd be great. I'm sure there's lots of women out there that wish that Chris had a propose for them. Maybe not not after hearing this. Can't get Um, Chris speaking at the ring. Yeah. So that will be going live. So it won't be next week. It'll be this week. Yeah, this week. Do you know what day? So this episode will be out on Tuesday. So will the ring auction be live on Tuesday? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So guys, if you're listening, go and check the auction out. Is it on your Instagram page? Yeah, it will be. Go and check it out on Jamie's Instagram page if you want to ring win that diamond ring. Yeah. It's stunning. And for a good cause. Stunning, isn't it? Yeah, it's so beautiful. It is, you know, flawless diamonds. It's handcrafted. Like, you know, the jeweler cuts it under a microscope. It's 
it's pretty incredible. I'm impressed that Married at First Sight do that. So yeah, it's an interesting little tidbit. Well, thank you again for being so open and sharing your story and being so vulnerable and giving us a really good insight into what actually goes on during reality TV behind the scenes. I mean, it's quite a dark underbelly, mm-hmm. but hopefully this can be a bit of a warning for anyone thinking of <laughs> signing up, I guess. Think twice. Definitely. It's like, you know, the reality of reality TV. Warning. <coughs> oh, my God. Okay, let, let's focus. That's all the tea I've got for you guys today. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Jamie. If you did, please leave a five-star rating and let me know what you thought about the episode by leaving a review. Also, if you did enjoy the episode, it would be a massive help if you could share it on your social media, post it on your Instagram, send it to a friend. You will be doing God's work. Don't forget, if you haven't already listened to the bonus episode on Patreon that spills some serious hot tea about Bryce, Go and have a listen. There is a link in the show notes for the Patreon. And there is also a lot of other juicy little bits and pieces in there too. Tea too hot for anywhere else. If you want daily gossip updates, follow me on Instagram at SoDramaticPodcast underscore. I'm also on Twitter at SoDramaticPod. And there is a Facebook group that I unfortunately no longer have access to thanks to my Facebook being permanently deleted, but our lovely admin team are running the group in my absence. I will hopefully be back there soon, guys. And for everything else, including the merch, head to sodramaticmedia.com. I will be back in your ears on Friday morning with my normal juicy jam-packed episode. Lots of big brother goss, and I will also be answering all of your burning married at first sight questions that I didn't get to last week because I was unable to record. So I've got two weeks worth of gossip for you guys on Friday. Do not miss that. Goodbye, good riddance, and good luck. Ciao for now. Kind regards. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my God. So dramatic with Megan Pacetto.